0: So as uh, both of you know, I have spent the uh, vast majority of my uh, professional career uh, working in restaurants, um, uh, on and off, mostly on, um, but it's something that I've enjoyed here and there. One of the more interesting uh, facets of restaurant work uh, seems to be the vast array of different and interesting dishwashers that one encounters <laughs> upon one's path, um, and I, I may have uh, mentioned this gentleman to you, to you guys uh, at some one point or another. But oh, I please did, tell me. I you. did work with a gentleman named Popcorn. That's what I wanted uh, to hear. Some years back, as I was, gentleman, <laughs> doing, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, fine, sir. As my path had taken me to uh, Ruth Chris Steakhouse, um, I do want to preface this. However, um, there was another, uh, probably just about equally as enter- entertaining uh, gentleman I worked with uh, at an Outback Steakhouse in Indiana. Uh, his name was Sam, and he worked with his brother Tyrone, also a, a dishwasher, uh, at the restaurant. The entertaining thing about Sam was that, well, he'd done two tours of duty in Vietnam, which is not in and of itself terribly funny. Um, but that was a long time ago. Yeah, but he had a really bad alcohol problem. and it, so is, when, and That's the funny part. <laughs> no, what was funny is he when he'd come in and he was sober, you couldn't understand a word he'd say. But as he drank throughout the night, he would get more... Uh, to lose where you it. Could under- yeah, lucid. <laughs> as That's- he drank, would he come in with like a with a hip flask? And uh, he was drinking something throughout the night. <laughs> you could just you tell- could smell because it because his speech got, yeah, better, got and better. better and better and <laughs> better. Um, <laughs> like, that-
1: gentle library by the end of the evening. Anyhow,
0: uh, the gentleman popcorn uh, was was here in Austin uh, at Ruth Chris, and so uh, I worked with this guy. He was an Interesting cat. Uh, he would drink uh, at least one bottle of cold duck every night after work. Uh, Andre what champagne. Is cold? cold Duck is is, uh, is Andre's sort of flagship champagne.
2: Uh, it's <laughs> it's like, their flagship?
0: It, it's, it's like a $3 bottle of uh, champagne. Andre the Giant or... Uh... Andre Andre the <laughs> Sparkling Wine Producer. Uh, <laughs> Which is a giant, <laughs> I'm sure, it, and it's a right. good of a wrestling name, really. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, at any rate, uh, so, you know, I've I worked with popcorn for, you know, probably three or four weeks, and finally it just, you know, it got to me. I'm like, so, hey, man... Um, why do they call you Popcorn? And I swear to God, he says, because uh, I gets down. <laughs> and but I'm popcorn. like, all right. Um, and I just kind of went on about my night, and I uh, was thinking, you know, I'm a bright guy. This'll, I'll be able to put this together at some point. Did you? No. No, I really didn't. <clears throat> Excellent. <laughs> so uh, I let a couple weeks go by, and, and finally I'm like, so hey, man, you remember when I asked you why they call you Popcorn, and you said because I gets down? What does that mean? Uh, and he clarified for me. He said, "Because I like to break and pop." And he did a little like arm gesture. Um, <laughs> it's like a high five, or uh, <laughs> uh, nah, it was, like, are you familiar with a little something called electric boogaloo?
3: Oh yes, yeah, something along those. Breaking two, yes, yeah.
0: but but the pop cor- uh, the pop part became popcorn, and so I have no idea what his real name was. Did he ever break in the kitchen? He oh, just constantly. did a little harm. Yeah. Yeah. Did he ever? You, did he ever break? He broke anything? some dishes. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he popped <laughs> them. like. Maybe. Yeah. It's probably not right. the way you want to go down? Let's let's get going here. We should probably get to the business at hand. <laughs>
1: I'm Shane Bartell. I'm Ryan Newsom. I'm Kevin Newsom, and this is somebody likes it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. Welcome back to Somebody Likes It. I'm Shane Bartell. I'm Ryan Newsom. I'm Kevin Newsom. So we wanted to, before we get started today, I think you wanted to say something, Kevin?
3: I did. I wanted to give a quick shout-out to our friends at Aviary. They're hosting us tonight. Um, if you find yourself in Austin and you're in the South Lamar area, uh, it's kind of a mashup of a cool little wine and craft beer bar with, uh, like, a lot of home decor stuff from around the world. So anyway, our friends at Aviary were kind enough to give us the space tonight to put together the podcast. We want to show those guys some love and uh, give them a shout out. So there it is. Thanks, Aviary. And Shane, let's get to the item at hand.
1: I want to say real quick uh, one more thing about Aviary. We're we're sitting in, uh, it's closed tonight, and we're we're sitting downstairs in this beautiful space, and we have this lamp, this one light bulb in the middle of all three of us, and uh, it kind of makes me think we're going to have a Ouija board, Slash seance <laughs> here in a second. I thought that was it. Symbolized. We'll, our we'll do that mind. after the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a, that's private time. That's private time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Mommy and daddy time. Uh. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> okay, God. so um, I want to tell you both that having gone through this album that we're going to discuss tonight, before we start talking about it, um, I never pegged myself as a sadist until I actually started listening to it. I knew it would be funny to listen to, but I started listening to it and about halfway through the album I kind of was gleeful that the two of you had to <coughs> to go with
0: me on this journey. Yeah, I I had already pegged you as a sadist. Um, wow. I hadn't yet yeah. <laughs> yeah
3: I mean that's one, one way to put it. I and I think having to go through is the right part of that sentence. This was this was absolutely Well, like I could only sentence. conclude
0: that you were punishing us somehow right. that we had, you know, <laughs> engaged in some sort of awful indiscretion and you were just going to show us. Yeah. Although,
3: between this and the last record you chose, like I'm just I'm just kind of I've gotten to a place where I just expect that like every third is going to be some sort of like affront to my soul for a little <laughs> while. So,
2: so. I'm on board, though. Possibly
1: yeah. so. Well, okay, so this week we are listening to Bon Jovi, or have listened to, and hopefully you'll, you'll listen We've to some. We've listened
0: to in the past and are, and, and are talking
3: and about.
1: And never will again. Bon Jovi, <laughs> Slippery When Wet, their epic, huge $25 million selling album from 1986, the album that put Bon Jovi, for better or for worse. Worse. Much, I don't even know if that's arguable. Worse. I'm going to say worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for worse, put them on the map. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I'm just gonna o- open that up to you guys. I I don't even know. I mean,
3: so I do think the one thing that that we could talk about that we have mentioned in previous podcasts are the difference between, like, when songs aren't songs anymore. You know, like when a song becomes an anthem. When how it's, been it's, not, so much, it's been played so much, been played. We will rock you. Uh, sure. So there were elements of this record, in in fairness, that I didn't really feel like. You know, you don't have to. You don't really have to dive into living on a prayer and, and try and uncover some nugget of truth. Like, I've heard that shit. No, I whether it is in the skating rink of my soul. I skipped forward on but, that one.
1: Yeah, I've yeah. heard it enough.
3: Um, and, then, and then there are other tracks. One, you know, I, I also find, like, to the point of what you were saying earlier about how you hear these differently and how you can listen to it through kind of uh, the prism of, okay, this is hilarious, not just because, like, it's – it's bad in a special way, but also because I'm making my friends trudge through the same shit pile.
1: So I'm twirling my mustache <laughs> as you say yeah, that by so, the way. So so there's that slightly whiplash
3: over here. There's that and I did I could hear like I could hear some of it. It's like you know how like you know how like you win at karaoke but through style points and not through necessarily being the best singer in the room like the best karaoke performances are performances and they're not necessarily the people who are the most on key all right that's kind of how i feel about parts of this record is like i could see it and listen to it through the you know the uh hammered goofball from 20 years ago that that thought he was having an epic like you know hair rock moment when in fact he was uh, you know about to go home empty handed.
1: Yeah, the things the things were it was all coming to an end. Yeah. Screeching to a halt, as they say.
0: I just kept flashing back to a lot of acid wash. Uh, oh, in torn lycra mm-hmm. shirts. Yeah. Uh crispy bangs, like big poofy bangs. Mm-hmm. Crispy uh, bangs. It's <laughs> my it's my uh, that's my writing name. Crispy
3: <laughs> bangs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like <laughs> By the way, so one of the things that Shane and I were talking about is how we, um, before we came on the air, like, or started taping the podcast, is how we source material differently, and one of the things that I did manage to find that I w- I'm i probably guessing that you guys didn't, was what the original cover for this record was. Oh, so I have see that, Have yeah. you seen yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like a wet t-shirt. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So there's the one, <laughs> like, so we're looking at the picture now, and the, like, there's the, uh, you know, the edgy, like I've just written on a wet window that became the final record cover. And then the other one is this, you know, sort of buxom, Uh, torn shirt looking lass who It uh, looks like she's
1: so buxom, it looks like she's been photoshopped even yeah. though that wasn't that around existed. then, yeah, I
3: know. Yeah. So anyway, but that but you look at it and you look at it through the the prism of 2014, and you think, well, that's not that risque. Like, what were they afraid of, really? Well,
0: probably but Walmart not carrying it, or I know. think that's yeah, exactly maybe that's what true. Happened, but wouldn't surprise me. I
1: I don't I don't know. Well, th- one of the things that I wanted to s- say about this album that I kept coming back to time and time again. Um, okay. It seems like John Bon Jovi w- plays a couple of characters, mostly two guys. And one guy is Talentless. like no, 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 that's real life. <laughs> <Ed
0: Hack>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, again, that's real life. the char- he's on on one hand, he he's like this wholesome. Well, no, no, let me see, three characters. He's got kind of this wholesome hard rock with quote I'm doing air quotes. Um quote, you know, air quotes air around it. And he's got um and he's got this this hard drinking he, he quote he, he says something about the bottle i think on three different songs uh he references gunslingers all the time the wild west riots being in a riot getting out in the streets you know taking to the streets and then he also wants to be the lover of there's one one of the songs uh starts with what song is it um it starts with um oh it's social disease for about 10 15 seconds there's orgasmic noises going on and then it stops and the woman you can clearly hear the woman say is that it and then the song comes in and the social disease is he's saying in the song love is a social disease you can't have it both ways it can't be a love <laughs> song about it's a social it makes no sense at all but then it starts with 15 seconds of and by the and, it, and if you go back and listen to it it sounds like there's various women in the throes of orgasm not just one and but one says, "Is is that it? Is that all?" So Bo- John Bon Jovi wants to play a lot of characters on this album, and one of them is uh is the guy that would would be taking home that girl with the the buxom girl on the on the original cover of Slippery When That just, just
0: occurred yeah. to me as a real Spinal Tap moment, you know, like it's all uh, Spinal Tap moments, <laughs> you know, like uh you know the. the the record company is getting in touch with Bon Jovi's manager, saying, "Look, we, you know, we can't, we can't have this uh, cover." It, it just flashes back to, you know, the whole smell the glove uh, scene and Moments. Spinal Tap. Yeah, <laughs> but, well, you should have seen the cover they wanted to do. I, I assure you, it wasn't a glove. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, the other thing that I couldn't help but notice, like or wonder, when you look at that original cover, is like, okay, so if if it's a situation where like that's the that's the epitome of the the hot girl. Like, where is he picking her up? It looks like she works at a car wash. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> that's like, exactly it. Yes. It just <laughs> is like, if you do the math and you back it out, it doesn't quite line up.
1: <coughs> oh, I just, um, according to their Wikipedia page, the working title of the album was Wanted Dead or Alive, but later the band decided to name the album Slippery When Wet after visiting the number no. 5 Orange Strip Club in Vancouver. Again, Bon Jovi yeah. wants to have it all, all the ways. Uh, and that's not the that's not a sexual classic. see with a K. <laughs> so the beginning of this album, the very first song on the album um, was called "Let It Rock," and um, I have a hard time. I I couldn't figure out what this. It, it's another thing. Like, there's very confused and 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 awkward metaphors. A lot in this record, and for example, "Wanted Dead or Alive," you, know, all the the gunslinger. I walk these streets, a loaded six string on my back. You know all this kind of stuff. It's very forced mm-hmm. and very. This this song, I can't figure out what he's talking about.
0: Is it a riot? He's saying, you know, let it rock, what? let it roll. One I've you, I found that uh, just, I don't know if this is what you're getting at or not, but I, I found just looking back at the hair metal genre of the '80s in particular. The word rock or rocking just had its own inherent danger. You know, like the whole <laughs> Twisted Sister. What do you want to do with your life? I want to rock! You know, like, Fair enough. What does that even mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what,
1: what what is does what is this mean when Bon Jovi said, let, let it rock? What is it? What is in, it? In what, in, in, what way <laughs> is it rocking? <laughs> I, I, honestly, it's like an old folks <laughs> album. If you read the lyrics... From the song he's talking about like people in the streets here. Let's let's see, I'll read I'll read a little sample. In the beginning. Okay. I saw Captain Kidd on Sunset tell his boys they're in command, while Chino danced a tango with a broomstick in his hand. It's all right if you want to cross that line to break on through to the other side. Let it rock, let it go. You can't stop a fire burning out of control.
0: What well, wisdom. Uh, they're you know, rioting. Oh yeah. Are they
1: rioting? He's got a broomstick in his hand, like he's he's literally uh, dancing a tango with a broomstick, or is he beating somebody up with that broomstick? Uh, you no know
0: chino, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that <laughs> that silly guy <laughs> dancing <on> the tango <laughs> with a broomstick. But know? I do
3: feel like there was this, like it's almost like uh, this is probably a weird example. It's almost like a minuet, right? Or like yes, or
1: like that is a weird example.
0: It is
3: a weird. But I'll I'll go a step further. I'll, I'll further that analogy. Or it's like it's like war during revolutionary times where there was a very like sort of the the mantra during that time was like to rebel against something like sort of to rebel against is your parents or the school or like whatever the thing was and it was all like it all sounds so cheeseball when we listen to it now but at the time it felt like that was like some sort of crazy rallying cry but like nobody ever said what are we rallying against? We don't, know. Like, yeah, right. don't know. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. Well,
0: your stupid rules, man. Yeah, it's
3: they're, all like Red... What is the... Uh, what's the... I was gonna, the Red Hawk... It's not Red Hawk. Anyway, uh, the the movie where the... the ta- red, red Dawn?
0: Red Dawn, that's exactly I what was it was. I was actually thinking more Footloose, but I, I get your... <laughs> but but it's the same... Team. It's yeah.
3: essentially the same ethos, right? Like, yeah. they're... Yeah, they're... It's either the
1: Russians or dancing. Oh, your parents. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. There's, there's <laughs> another. The, you know what? Why don't we listen to a little bit of Let It Rock? Kevin, can you make that happen All for right. us? Let's do it. This is Let It Rock. <laughs> rock by John Bon jo. Does that
0: rock? Oh, quite quite, does it? quite a bit. it Kevin does that song rock? rock? I found that it was rolling. Rolling well, more well than it was rock. It does say to let it roll I as well. I was going to say it it, it
1: it it implores one to both rock and Bro. roll. I, it's possible that I don't I was think doing it's an it and it or thing order. Order. though.
3: I, you know, I could be, have been doing it out of order.
1: Can you do both simultaneously? I th- I think that's where the and
0: is, rock and well, roll. maybe if it's a He's coordinated never being
3: rock and You could have some do some rocking while
0: others are balancing out with rolls. Well, and it wasn't telling us to rock and or roll; it was saying let it rock, and or roll. Right. I think that's that's it, it's sort of like a
1: hands across America type of thing, like yeah, we're we're joining yeah, the I nation getting, together. Yeah. Like he's he's putting out rock and roll. But having,
3: uh, in, in more seriousness, like having listened to that song, like do you feel like you get it more? No, like, that's the thing. Is like no, I just no, you don't not even remotely like, get it. Yeah.
0: So as I was listening to this record. um over the last week and cursing Shane's name. Um, you know, it occurred to me that, you know, in the the great pantheon of hair metal uh, bands and, and what have you, like, you know, probably, you know, the first truly great one would have been, like, Van Halen, and then it, you go through, uh, like, Guns N' Roses. What do you mean by truly great? Well, I mean, just, like... You know, there's some legitimacy there to, like, you know, that they had, yeah, their, that's, their, that's they, another they had their moments. But it occurred to me that Bon Jovi, like, if you translate hair metal bands into 80s TV sitcoms, um, that, like, you know, Guns N' Roses, like, Appetite for Destruction is actually a solid record. And, you know, I could, I could compare that to, like, you know, Cheers or The Cosby Show. You know, it, it holds up. But Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet is more like Family Matters. You know, like <clears throat> wildly inexplicably popular and not terribly good. Does that make does <laughs> that make John Bon Jovi the Urkel? Of <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. I, I think the Urkel is Tico put this Torres. Out, I'm sure he was like, "Did I do that?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> One of the things that um I was reading. Good answer, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> that I was reading about Survey says. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. Please interrupt me. Um, I'm, that wasn't sarcastic at all um is um one of the things that i was reading was that they weren't as successful as they wanted to be the album before while moderately successful it wasn't as successful as they wanted to be which again goes back to oh wait we weren't talking about that on the air about John Bon Jovi's parents going to buy him a lot of albums for him. He's a he's
0: yeah, such a, he's sweet, a sweet boy. He's a sweet boy, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Johnny. Yeah. No. We were
3: just wondering how it was that he managed to sell that many, <laughs> and so the folks we, we were there. wealthy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we put it out there that maybe his parents were buying them on, on maybe on the DL, maybe not. But <laughs> lot, yes,
1: pay, um, paying young people to go to their concerts. Oh, oh my God! I have to read that to you. Speaking of, I, this is oh my goodness! I totally forgot about that. It's on Wikipedia. Um, so they um, they decided to. Go away from their previous harder sound, which we'll get into that at the end of this podcast. I've got a song. Time air I've got there. a song yeah. by by their harder their previous harder sound, and you you can see how much harder it actually was. And they um they uh got th- they and their label got uh, Desmond Child like super stud songwriter. Um, actually, I mean he wrote "Live in La Vida Loca." He wrote, I mean he he's up to up through the mid two thousands. He was still Charting top ten and, and number one hits, he has more top forty hits as a co-writer, I think, than any person in history. But don't quote me on that.
3: He was Pharrell before Pharrell was Pharrell. Mm. So I for mean, real, without the without the street cred, or without as much of the street cred, R- right?
1: Yeah, does Pharrell in have current street terms cred? in current terms? <clears throat> That's a story for now. You time. and your, I don't think you say things sometimes that you think the. Uh, I don't know how much street cred, I whatever we can we can go down that road another time. I. Uh,
3: I have thoughts, but still <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So that guy was a he was a professional songwriter that wrote wrote a lot of popular songs, which was the analogy that I was A, trying a to lot use.
1: of popular yeah. songs, a lot of horrib- horrible yet yeah, Sure quite popular songs. Yeah. So one of the things he did, according to the Wikipedia page, was he, 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 he went to New Jersey, Desmond Child did, and um, they worked on the songs in the basement of Richie Santora's mother's house.
0: Which, oh, that's awesome. Which <laughs> is amazing he, like,
1: in and of, made of itself. Them meatballs and yeah, right. <clears throat> and and then but this, um what what I really, really love, um is that when they worked they worked on all these songs, they figured out some songs. Like he helped them co he co wrote uh You Give Love a Bad Name, uh Living on a Prayer and some other shitty songs on that album. But um this is a quote from from the Wikipedia page. Hiring professional songwriter Desmond Child as a collaborator, the group wrote 30 songs and auditioned them for local New Jersey and New York teenagers, basing the album's running order on their opinions.
0: What? They basically workshopped it. I mean that is so
1: cynical. They 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 went out and played for New York and New Jersey teenagers and then gave the it's like a focus group and they yeah. gave them focus it's, group cards. It's, it's, it isn't like a focus group. It's exactly a focus group. It is group. a focus it's totally group. Right. What it is. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, it worked. Yeah, it it, that is one of the most horrible sounding albums. I have this written all over my notes here. How horribly, how horrible! Obviously, there was there was so much money put into the recording of that album, but if you go back and the keyboards are just super high in the mix, uh, in in this heart it's completely it 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 does not gel in any way with with the hard rock hard rock guitars, and um, it sounds horrible. But at the same time, it sounds like it's trying to be. It, it's trying to have something for everybody. The keyboards in there to sort of placate the mothers of the kids that one of these songs. The the crunchy guitars in there, so dudes that were driving their Camaros would would buy it. It's a very cynically fucking. No, it's made like a, it is.
3: It's a checkbox formula. Oh yeah. And I do think it's like it's like the musical equivalent of in advertising parlance of make the logo bigger. Like it's something that everybody like. Okay, well I I I can understand in a, like in a lowest common denominator way what you get out of that. But what do you really get out of it? And the thing that I also also thought was really interesting was um, the idea that they were conscious that they were tapping into something with the record previous to this, but they didn't feel like they got all the
0: way there. And right. And so th- I just kept going back to that famous P.T. Barnum quote, which is nobody ever went broke underestimating the intelligence of the American people. No, that's true.
1: <clears throat> I don't know how much there is to say – I don't think, yeah, I don't think that can be overstated. Well, uh, this feels like a pretty
3: decent time to try out this week's Rolling Stone review. <laughs> I actually haven't looked this up. This when you CD said pop, this week's, I initially thought like, like
1: they're they're still writing about it 25 years later. Well, <laughs> right, now. yeah. We really hated this or or loved this album. <laughs> That's
3: like, that guy, that guy's probably still smashing his face into a keyboard somewhere, but. Um, This was written by Jimmy Guterman at Rolling Stone. I won't read the whole thing, but I will hit some of the highlights. He says... How many cliches can you squeeze into a pop song? Probably not as many as John Bon Jovi can. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Listen to Raise Your Hands from his uh, album, new album, Slippery When Wet. I know that's two already, but titles don't count. <laughs> John Bon Jovi Let's Loose with Nasty Reputation, Sticky Situation, Ain't Nobody Better. Show me what you can do under the gun, out on the run, set the night on fire, playing to win. <laughs> Pretty impressive, and that's only the first. Verse. <laughs> <So, laughs>
2: like,
3: anyway, uh, maybe maybe we'll come back to this a little bit later. But but he kind of culminates the whole review by saying, um, "On Slippery When Wet, Bon Jovi sounds like a bad fourth generation metal, a smudgy Xerox of Quiet Riot." <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> yeah, I'll buy nice. that
1: with more with more shitty keyboards in there. So the so the, the was
0: there a star number that that corresponded to that?
1: Um, I want to say it was one,
3: like one that star, about right? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but <coughs> this guy was just not just being a fan. generous. not
1: really. a fad. So yeah. when he, um, you know, this is the this is one of the um the next two songs that I I want to play clips from are perfect examples of um of the cliches, and one and Ryan and I were were before you got here, Kevin. We were we were talking about this. Um, there's a song, "Never Say Goodbye," which um, I, for some inexplicable reason, I never owned this album. Um, I never listened to it. I mean, Living in a Prayer and You Give Love a Bad Name. Yeah, I've heard it millions and millions of times. But there's a song, Never Say Goodbye, that I know every word to, every single fucking word for some inexplicable reason I know. And and the song basically starts, and let me tell you what the whole song's about, and and I'll sum it up, how I feel about it. Um, In the beginning of the song, he's sitting in a bar with a bunch of strangers, but the bottle... Again, he says he's using the bottle. The bottle is his only friend. And then he starts going into, remember, he's like remembering his high school years. He's like, uh, we were uh, racing cars and skipping school. I'll tell you the whole fucking song with a right. six pack and a radio. We didn't no, need well, no place you, you, to go. You need
0: to address this, Shane. Uh, remember but when we used? No, 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 no. That's the best line in the whole yeah, song. No, I mean, let me get to all it. Right, all no, right. No, no, I don't no, no, step no on That's your a cherry on top like, yeah. of this fucking
1: shitty Sunday right here, son. <laughs> uh, and then he's like, "Remember at the prom that night, you and me, we had a fight." I mean, it's it's just straight out of like 16 Candles or some kind of shitty 80s movie. But the best, best, best line in the whole song, and the best line, maybe in all of pop music ever, is. He's talking in the, in the beginning of the song about how they used to go park late at night, and he's like, remember when we lost the keys, and you lost more than that in my backseat, baby. That's right.
2: <laughs>
1: he, he's talking about her
0: virginity. So, he, so, <laughs> yeah, thank you. I but, thought they were just learning how to park together. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Her re- retainer? But <laughs> <laughs> you know. well, he, and,
1: and again, Bojobe trying to wear all hats. So, so basically, this dude is sitting in a fucking bar. Not trying to meet any real adults with a bottle. For some reason, though, I guess it's like, hey but I tend to skip the shot glass. Give me the whole fucking bottle. It's bottle service. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah it's bo- right. Exactly. It's some shitty New Jersey service. town in but 1984, yeah. and he gets the and he's just sitting there chugging on this bottle, crying to himself about never saying goodbye to his high school years. It's like a funhouse mirror Uncle Rico story. That this guy. It, I wish you could go back in time. I just want to go back in time and. Race cars and skip school. Again. I bet I can throw this football. And they that romanticize mountain. the whole goddamn song. And the whole song, it, there's never. And by the way, it never goes back to. There's never any, never any resolution about him being an adulting. The only time it references him being an adult are the first two lines of the song when he's in the fucking bar. Then the rest of it is him pining over his. Well,
0: maybe this is a New Jersey thing because, you know, Bruce Springsteen's got glory days. No, 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 know. no, no.
1: But no. But that's not that's not fair because glory days is, is, is definitely sarcastic. What I was this is not what I was going to say is
3: maybe he on some level understands understands while that song is being put together who he actually is, which is somebody that when he looks back on this song 20 years later, we'll go like, well, that was the best that I had. Like,
0: that's. That's a, that's as good as it gets. Well, right you know, there. I, like,
1: I never thought of this before because because I cause I I'd never read this before in, until a few hours ago. But you know, it, since they were debuting all these songs for teenagers, I mean, it would make sense that a seventeen-year-old kid or an eighteen-year-old kid or somebody that just had graduated high school would look back on their high school years, you know, super fondly, super and, fondly, yeah. and as though you know.
2: It,
0: well sure. you know at the time yeah. you think this is you know this is all oh, the best time of my life um you know like it's it's very intense you know you just got pubes um, <laughs> I don't think that thanks <laughs> that's where we're
3: going <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> but I did but but to the greater point like you spent like at that time and there are people who never move out of their hometown and so maybe that's the regional thing I mean I think target markets yeah no it's all yeah, fucking
1: like, cynical they're not trying to 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 pitch that to anybody it's not a new Jersey thing it's it's as cynical and universal as they can possibly be. I think it
2: yeah, yeah it
0: happens everywhere. Absolute um, definition of lowest common denominator.
1: Why don't we listen to a clip from Never Say Goodbye?
2: Remember when we used to
1: Greatest lines in the history of rock and roll. I think we can all agree on that, can oh, we agree on that? Certainly, certainly. I'm, I'm sure you're being sarcastic, but well, I mean, I am too. I'm just that's glad true, that we had the
0: opportunity to pull out our big lighters and wave them above our head and sway.
1: Yeah, but unfortunately, th- <clears throat> you know, we set the smoke alarms off, and then that's a whole other story. The, the other th- thought that I had is like, so, so technically,
3: technically, if you never say goodbye, like you never leave, right? And so there's the wistful part of that. Then there's also like, did you ever see, Was it uh, John Belushi? Was like the, the, the thing n- that <laughs> the wouldn't leave. <laughs> the thing that wouldn't leave. Is like, hey, can I order some pizza? And they're like, no. And he's like, you guys got the records? <laughs> like, it's like that. I'm gonna guy make some longest like
1: phone calls. <laughs> yeah. I, I want somebody to go and, um, I, I, you know, both of you guys know about this. I, I, um, I, I come from a small town. It's true. Um, and you were
3: the John Mellencamp of this group.
1: Oh, I was thinking of it like, uh, I come from a small town down there. I don't know sure, why I'm Well, thinking of.
0: was born in a small town. And he'll he die y- in he'll a small town. A small no, town. No, no. Yeah. Apparently like a pink house. <laughs> 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 and it'll, it'll be a small pink house. <laughs> what are you guys? Yeah. We got to get to Dip <laughs> <Mellencamp laughs> at some pink point. Houses.
1: <laughs> um, and I, you know, uh, <laughs> I go back to this said small town <laughs> periodically. And sometimes I'll see guys or. It's, uh, Kerberg yes um w- women that i went to um to high school with or junior high with and they look l- like when we were in high school together they looked young and fresh and full of potential and now they have these plumber shirts on and and nothing that there's not that there's anything wrong with that i mean that was a are you I'm being a plumist?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> what I mean is, what I mean
1: is, some sort of, some sort of uniform in some way, and 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 don't make a crack. <laughs> That's good. Thank sure. you so much. I'm five. <laughs> they never said goodbye, is what I'm saying. Uh, they never, they never said goodbye, and then they they moved on to to some job, and then they had some kids, and and I want to know if. Somebody tell me if these guys, do they think about since they never left? Do they when every time they drive past that high school, does that song play in their head? You know, they do they think about themselves in high tear. school? Well,
3: yeah. and the other thing that nobody ever talks about is like so. There's a is there a statute of limitations on how long you care? You know what I mean? And the the, the reality is that there is. But what.
1: About high school? Well, about anything that you're wistful about. I mean, I can about. get wistful about
3: like, that. That's I think like, I
0: went to a football game or two, like, the year after I graduated, and then after that, I was just like, yeah. Oh,
1: no, 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 no. That's a whole different thing. That's participating with people that, that are still in high school that you're friends with. Right. Sure. That, that's a whole different... But I'm saying, like, there are definitely times when you're talking to friends of... I don't know if either of you are still friends. I mean, I'm pretty sure you I are. I will actually
3: see people that I went to high school with that I that are... I keep up with very few people that I went to high school with who are all, like, as far as I'm concerned... Decent, fine human beings, but uh, not all of them, but the ones that I keep up with, I don't keep up with very regularly, and I certainly don't put much effort into it. And it's through no fault of theirs, but I just – I don't well, You move run on in those circles. Yeah, like, yeah you move on. Oh, so. This is
1: so goddamn depressing. Can I we know. get back onto the Bon Jovi thing? Anyway, so, oh, which is not depressing at all because
0: it's
2: – Oh, no, the, it's pretty fucking well, hilarious.
3: I guess uh, – let me just – Put a bow on this. Well, I
2: wanted to put a bullet in my head while I was listening to this <laughs> record. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, that kind of depressing.
3: <laughs> all right, I guess. I, I guess know. the the point is is that you can get trapped. This is what I was getting at. You can get trapped in sort of the genie in the bottle type situation where,
1: you like, d- you where wanna Christina Aguilera or, bears or her maybe maybe stomach, uh, because maybe that's a good kind of genie in the bottle situation. I think maybe it's maybe a snow globe the right way. Maybe a snow <laughs> globe is a better <laughs> so to speak
3: metaphor. Like just sort of trapped in this one particular moment. And what in, what that ends up becoming over time is either something that you require to like be in that one place, or um, or you put it on a shelf and you get on with the rest of your life. And I, my guess is that more people get on with the rest of their life than don't.
1: But the protagonist and never say goodbye did not did get not on with the rest know, of his life. The
0: well, in the cynical marketing plan for this record, this this song fits right into it. Of you know, course, it like, does. You know, just that. That premature nostalgia for you know those knowing kids that were These damped. are the best times of your life, and these are your he's, best friends. He's McConaughey and Dazed and Confused. Yeah. All uh, right. All right.
1: Much um, a little more of a drinker than a than a pothead. Um, yeah, that's probably You too. Um, so we, or um, did you want to go? I see you reaching for that. Do you want to read us a little more? Yeah. There?
3: So so this is interesting. So in the middle of this, like, I want I wanted to circle back to this uh, Rolling Stone review because in the middle of it, the guy changes tack and he's like you. So he he rolls out every cliche that he could think of, which I shared earlier, Mm -hmm. and in the middle of it, he says, okay, maybe I'm being unfair. Nobody listens to Bon Jovi's brand of pop metal for its lyrics. They listen because they want to bang their heads lightly, (laughs) which sounds like a compliment, but it's not. (laughs) It's a a canny marketing strategy, which is like, I think that that's kind of where you can catch this record, is like, Mm -hmm. it's a marketing strategy. Um, But Bon Jovi's band is barely (laughs) functional. (laughs) Guitar solos pop up like afterthoughts. Bass lines whine like spoiled children. And John Bon Jovi's voice is double and triple tracked in half-hearted attempts to cloak its blandness. Uh, Bon Jovi stumbles into sentimental territory and never say goodbye. But delicacy is not the band's strong suit. Meatloaf is subtle compared to these guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the
1: That's c- unfair.
3: Yeah, and then he, then he, then he, but he calls out uh, the callous clinker. Remember when we was, lost the keys and uh, you lost more than that in my back seat? Is
1: Bon Jovi's idea of evocative storytelling? <laughs> 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 so.
2: uh,
1: I I love that he talks about how his vocals are, are double and triple tracked. I, I when I was listening to this record um, a couple of days ago, and I re-listened to it today bef- before we got in here, and and a couple nights ago I was thinking like. I really think they spent so much of the money on disguising the fact that his vocals are double-tracked, and I I definitely think that they're triple-tracked after listening to him today, but they spend a lot... It takes a lot of time and effort and money to... I mean, double-tracking is most of the time used not to... Well, I mean, oftentimes it's used to f- to, f- to fill up a voice, but a lot of times it's used as an effect.
3: Well, and can you explain to the audience who might not know what double, oh, what tracking, double tracking is? is. What that so
1: is. you have um, like a somebody sings a line, let's say um, you lost more than that, in my backseat baby, and then it sounds a little thin or whatever, and then they go back in and they try to d- and they sing a separate vocal track and try to double every syllable. That they sang before to make it more full to make it fuller, yeah. but usually that fullness you can tell it's it's sort of like when you look at a Ray Harryhausen movie, I mean that shit looks cool, but you can definitely tell
0: that this is stop it's motion. superimposed, yeah
1: yeah, you can tell that there's there's two things you know and that's how how um how double and triple track vocals work um or historically have worked, and so for somebody to go in there, I mean they spent a lot. I'd love to see what the budget does on this record. They did um 4 or 5 months of recording in Canada um for you know however many tracks they were going to do eventually. Like that's at the, in the 80s with tape. I mean that's that's millions of dollars. Well, right. And coming off
3: of coming off of the previous record, like if it is a marketing strategy like like this guy said, like They clearly have done their focus groups, they've done their research, they have figured out sort of what the levers and the knobs are that you got to twist and pull. Well,
1: the motherfucker could write hooks. I mean, there is that. I mean, here... Excuse me. Here's the thing about all of this, is that, yes, uh, these songs are... The lyrics are insane. They're inane slash insane. And I didn't want to rhyme, but I I realized at the last second I was was about to... You're a
0: poet, and you did not realize that you were a poet at that juncture. Thank (laughs) you,
1: Ryan. And... Mm -hmm. And um see you wanted to you wanted to steer clear of the easy trap I just fell into me, right. didn't you yeah so mm. I, I, I um i i i could easily understand why the label would have some faith in them And there are some the guy could i mean couldn't sing for shit the band isn't very great Richie Sambora you know i hate this kind of music but the guy is a decent player and he gets a decent tone whatever but 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 the but the but the hooks that they have i hate the way this record sounds i fucking cannot stand it i will never listen to it again in my entire life but, but on but purpose on purpose yeah but living on a prayer for example is one of the hookiest songs i've ever heard in my life i remember when i was a kid uh, skating outside, skating my friend Robbie's mini-ramp, and uh, my brother was over there. I remember going like, this song will never get old. Living on a Prayer. And it, it, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. It quickly did, but it, it's brilliant hooks,
0: well, and, I, it's, and it's got a bunch of them in that song. You know, I was talking to some friends at work about, uh, you know, the, I had to go listen to uh, Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet, um, and... One of these, uh, one of my coworkers, who's about three years younger than me, was like, "Oh, like, like, no, I like that record." I was like, "How could?" I was like, "You're, you know, what, you're a nice person, but you're wrong. Like, it's a terrible, terrible record." No. And she's like, "Well, I will admit that, you know, all of my memories of it are like tied up with going to the skating rink, you know, when she's, you know, in as are Kevin's fifth yeah, apparently. grade, or, yeah, you know, what have you." Um, so you know. It, it, Now that that we're adults and we recognize cynical cynical marketing for what it is, like they at least knew their market. Well, you know, pitch it to the kids. But
1: but I want to say this about living on a prayer. Specifically, I um, uh, years and years ago, I was in the car. I was actually going to Pharmaco to get some medical testing for money. Um, which I did many times over the years. Go to Shane va-
0: Bartel, human guinea pig. I was a human guinea pig.
1: Um, hey, you know what? Robert Rodriguez made El Mariachi with PharmaCo money. So sure. So I, I went. Yeah. So I was in. The, I was. What um, did you make for that study in particular? I don't remember. Oh, I mean, oh, oh, the the long haul over the was probably fifteen fifteen to twenty thousand dollars, like over no, the course not of inconsiderable. the. Inconsiderable. Ten years that I did it, but um, I was in the car going to, um, and I was I borrowed my fucking roommate's car and it was stuck on it wouldn't play CDs and it was stuck on one radio station and i had to listen oh, to this radio station and uh and i was super hungover even though i wasn't supposed to drink in the study i would just buy mints and and like take mints when i went in so they couldn't smell the alcohol Mr. rico suave yeah, yeah yeah they, they, they still paid me i'm sure that i screwed up like i'm sure that right now people are having side effects somewhere <laughs> because, because of blood, the research that, that I was fucked up of, yeah yeah Um, but we were, uh, I was in the car driving to the research facility in the morning and living on a Prayer" came on and I'm, and I'm hungover and I'm, and I'm a little delirious, but I was amazed at how hooky that song is. I mean, the lyrics are fucking inane and stupid, but the, the, the chorus and the pre-chorus and the verse are amazing. Um, it's, I know you don't want to hear this. I know you're fucking I can see you rolling your eyes at me but it's no, really it's reminding me of something
0: that I'll bring up in
2: a minute. Oh okay.
3: Well and I and I again I have a hard time separating that song from Omnipresent Anthem. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. listening to it critically is like it's it's difficult to give it first ears because it's been around.
1: True. Well I at the time I guess the reason why I'm able to now is at the time and this is this is a little while back um I hadn't heard it in so long and this is before um this is when Bon Jovi was in their fallow period that a lot of bands like you know Motley Crue or whatever, they go through their very uncool, very never listened to fallow period. And then all of a mm-hmm. sudden they become – a Kiss, same thing. They become somewhat sure. popular again whether it be mm-hmm. kitschy or not. And this is Nostalgia. So nostalgia, happened. right. And I hadn't yeah. heard them in a long time. I hadn't heard this song in a long time. And I, I just remember – remember dis- I distinctly remember turning it up
0: and then turning it up again. Well, I, you know, oddly enough, uh, Shane, I don't know if you know this about me or Kevin, if you remember this. Uh, when oh, I, I want to know when, this? I, when I was in eighth grade, I got saved. Uh, I, I briefly <laughs> I did not joined, know this. I briefly joined uh, the Ryan, local mega church. Ryan came in with two outs in the ninth.
3: Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I closed as well. Yes. Uh, no, I like went through it. It was my eighth grade year. Uh, I, I got real religious. And I, you know, I would go to. How long know, did this last? I don't remember. Roughly I a don't year. Totally remember that, but I kind of remember it. Yeah, I think the beginning of the end was when I went to your New Year's Eve party. Uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> yeah, and I drank wine coolers for the first time. Yeah, you throw up. Uh, well, the quote that I remember is uh, somebody saying to you, "Newsom, your brother's fucked." Because <laughs> 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 like, c- clearly, this was a cornpone gathering. <laughs> <laughs> Were yeah. you in
1: a field?
3: We were not in a field. So you didn't the, grow up I was in a small on town. the
0: stairs. I remember that I'd had like three wine coolers and and I was kind of fucked. Well, and that was that. And we can go down the rabbit hole in that story, but but anyhow, yeah. anyhow, uh, living on a prayer was one of the few secular songs that uh, the Metropolitan Baptist Church, the local mega church, uh, approved of. Turbo, church. For our, yeah, for our consumption. Um, so I remember, like, you know, really trying to get behind it because I felt like it was compatible with my newfound, you know, Jesus dumb. <laughs> Jesus dumb? <laughs> well, you know my my piety, if you will. Yes, well,
1: I in my head when you said Jesus dumb, and now I get it. But originally, like I, I put D U M B in there. Like,
0: I, Jesus dumb. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, you know.
1: Uh, oh, never mind. Why don't we just why so don't like, we stop and why don't we just listen to a, the song if, so we can get a reference?
3: All right, so this is living on a
2: prayer. Let's yes. do living on a prayer. Here we go. Tommy used to work on the docks. Union's been on strike.
0: Because you were praying back. to die? I could think of some things to do with pies. <laughs> well, anyhow, um, yes, they on a <laughs> prayer. Um, and I really think it was only because it has the word prayer in the title that, you know, they didn't really think it through a whole lot. If they listen to the rest of the record, you know, what with all the rocking Oh um, no no no! And the
1: and the orgasmic sounds, the like, orgasmic sounds. It? You know, you lost
0: more than that in my backseat, baby. If you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> Do you guys know that there's the there's this uh,
3: contact? She lost a contact. She lost yeah. contact lenses. <laughs> yeah. So there,
1: there's a there's a band in, in Round Rock. God damn it, I can't remember their name right off the top of my head, but they um they cover secular songs and um and put in like Jesus-centric Jesus inter- vocals. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. Um. It's brilliant, brilliant stuff. But I, I used, no, oh, never mind. I'm well, taking. Away.
3: And I do think that, like, and we, this is a whole side discussion we won't get into. But I do think that it's kind of interesting. One conversation that Ryan and I have had off the air before is that, like, there are certain bands in all genres, including the Christian genre, or any other genre for that matter. That are good for that genre. That are like, okay, yeah. you're actually advancing what a particular genre should be, and you're challenging what that is. But I do feel like songs like "Living on a Prayer," they were designed to be literal. They were taken as literal, and they're like, like now we look back through a sort of 3D prism, and you're like, well, that's it's kind of a 2D or a 1D song.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. it's 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 pretty rote. Yeah. Hey, I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna have to go here just for a second. I was trying to look at the name of that that band uh, in Round Rock, but I just wanna I want to read uh, a little bit of this to you real quick. Um, Christian in quotes, rock music, Christian or satanic?
3: Is that is there a question?
1: Uh, right. Well, so uh, the track carefully details the biblical screens any music must pass before it is labeled as Christian. The music must contain correct doctrine and its lyrics should be edifying, spiritually oriented, clear, conforming to biblical truth, and point our focus to Jesus Christ. Its score should not overshadow the message conveyed by the lyrics, but should complement it. Its character, the attitudes in the music and of the performers, should be consistent with the purity of the message it claims to convey. Other than that, kids, just
0: go out there and have fun. Well, I think they were living on a prayer. But a different kind of prayer that this. Well, and you know, Gina dreams of running away uh, when she cries in the night. Tommy, Tommy whispers, whispers, "Baby, it's okay. someday." someday. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if that's a strict Christian ideology or. Uh, well, I mean, mm.
3: that's a that's a. But I do think that it speaks to what you were saying about like that this band, like lyrically. This band like seems to have it. They want to
1: have it always. They at want to the be time. wholesome, yeah. yeah, but dangerous, sexy, dangerous. 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 dangerous and yeah, we yeah. riding in the. Oh my God! There's the last song on the album uh, called "Wild in the Streets." It's not a very wild song, um, and but one of the one of my this is of all of the my amazingly wait of all of my favorite lyrics that are amazing by Bon Jovi. This is probably my favorite. Other than the best lyrics ever written in rock and roll history, which we've already covered. Of course. Sometimes you talk so tough, your feet your feet don't touch the ground. The fuck does that mean?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's talking so tough that you levitate. <laughs> <laughs> like, like somebody hits you on the jaw and well, you like fall over
1: in a comedic Shane, way? <laughs> it's a
3: scientific fact, Not a lot of people know this, that when you talk tough, you actually get lighter. And sometimes if you talk tough enough... You actually are lighter than gravity. That
1: That shit shit is deep. Did you go smoke a bowl in a bathroom when we took the break? No, I went on. I went
3: on spring break with Alfonso Cuaron, and now I just can't. I don't think Kevin smoked
0: a bowl since he tried to uh, start his Coke machine. Um. Oh yeah, that actually
3: (laughs) happened. That's a story for another time. (laughs) Maybe that will be the 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 launch to another. I'm writing it down right now. But yeah, 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 I I had a very very. Very brief but uh, interesting uh, foray with uh, being cooler than I actually yeah. am. So anyway, I you know I guess circling did back, you,
1: to... did you just couch it in those terms? And just in case your daughter hears it at some point, yeah, right. your euphemism for for pot smoking yes. and being cooler than you actually yes. are. Hey, hey,
3: do you remember when Dad said, "Don't do those things that I did"? I mean, they're so elaborate and ridiculous. She'd be like. What are the odds? <laughs> like <laughs> anyway, um, okay, one so one other one other little oh well, no 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 no. Okay, no, one no, other no. little nugget that I wanted to share was so one of the things that I that I mentioned to Shane was that um, was that and we talked a little bit about was the idea that finding finding good source material that was like in the moment critically about this band was difficult. Mostly because all of the mediums have changed, and a lot of those publications aren't around anymore, and there just aren't necessarily great records. <laughs> there aren't great records. That's a double entendre. So anyway, um, one of the things that I that I thought was really interesting was I actually found an old CMJ review of Crush, which was the reuniting of all the guys from Slippery When Wet all six members of that band or whatever. I won't go through all of it cuz it doesn't all exactly apply um directly, but basically most critics seem to agree that it was kind of intended to be an extension of Slippery When Wet because at that by that time they all knew how much that record had sold and they all had presumably bought, you know, leopard skin couches or cars. And, uh, Wait, and but was Bon Jovi yeah. in this band? <laughs> like, I I'm yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The Bon Jovi record Crush came out six years after Slippery and Wet, so
1: 1992. Oh, I have, n- I don't, I have of never you heard of. Of this. course
3: you don't. Yeah, but apparently there was a uh, Tommy and Gina like, <laughs> like a song in there, and they were like, the, one of the reviewers oh, was the, like, like,
0: Tommy and Gina's saga has has yeah, continued. No, it, it's, had, a, they've it had settled a continu- down, got a couple kids now. It had a continuation, really, that,
3: and the, and yeah, and somebody was like, oh, well, it looks, it sounds like they're doing okay. Like, yeah. like that's a real thing, um, but ultimately they like where this kind of, this thing kind of wrapped up, and I thought this was really uh, apropos. Was that they just mentioned what bon, Jovi, bon Jovi's ultimate limitations are, which are that they're good musicians with big hearts and the collective imagination of a set of hubcaps. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> like They're the same guy that wrote the the review no, before,
3: right? It's, it's not, yeah, it's not the same guy. And they were they were on Island Def Jam by this time, so there's a little bit of like, you learn a little bit of it. Some of it, some of it is just you know, companies get acquired by other companies in the music business, but sometimes it's also like these bands, these big bands, move where they think they can get distributed best, and then history colors them the way they can't. The mm. fact that nobody knows this
0: record. But it, well, came they were out. they were deeply uncool by this time. Oh right. well, if yeah. it was if it was six years after, it was 1992. Yeah, so, so that, that would have been right after. Never mind. Oh yeah, and, which it know, would be
3: <coughs> what people were saying. There is this nothing
0: record. less cool than being in Bon Jovi in 1992. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, here, but but see now
1: now we're we're all saying this right now, and and I agree completely with that. But that said, Bon can, Jovi is one of the that,
0: highest grossing acts of last year.
1: That and also, um, they. If you if you if one were to if one were to g- Google "slippery when wet," attempting to procure information about the "slippery when wet" album, one will be proffered the Wikipedia entry to the "slippery when wet" tour. Who the fuck wants to go and read about the "slippery when wet" tour? Because all it is essentially are a Tommy list of and dates. Tom, Tommy and Gina, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get <laughs> they drunk sometimes. I don't think Tommy and Gina are together anymore. Also, that came out in 1992, <laughs> also right? the, the, like one of the biggest, I bet like, you Richie Sambora does. I bet you that motherfucker gets drunk and gets on Wikipedia. He's like, what did we? Where was I? Let's go, Slippery When Wet tour. <laughs> the, the other I did this, th- motherfucker.
3: The, the other thing about that song that strikes me is that, like, is it one of like the main like drive it home parts? Is like Gina saying to Tommy. It's okay. Like that's that's the high water mark. Is like it's fine. Yeah, like, baby. It's it, okay. Is, yeah.
1: No, no, no. He, Tommy says that to Gina. Wait, it is true. Tommy or does say it to Gina. I don't.
3: I don't. Get your Honestly, shit right,
1: dude. There was there yeah. was
0: solace offered. And there was,
3: the, and I'm sure, probably
1: solace needed. And he used right to right. work on the docks, but the union men were on strike. Man, that's a bitch. So we're hoping he went back to the docks. I don't know. I haven't listened to the to the. Did, do you have any lyrics? Do you have any? Any Any updates on the Tommy and on Gina the Tommy saga? I, I don't. So I you, David, just, you just yanked that shit out. I just yanked that shit out. I think it would have be been appropriate if
3: Tommy and Gina showed up on Oprah. Because that would have been about the time where... Sure. Although I think I really, to be honest, I think they would have done Springer. Okay.
0: Like, so uh, yeah, I think Springer's more their speed.
1: Yeah. It,
3: it, yeah. Tommy threw a chair at Gina. And
0: the Slippery
1: so When Wet it. Tour was a concert tour by American hard rock band Bon Jovi that ran from 1986 through to 1987. The tour was put on in support of the band's multi-platinum 1986 album, Slippery When Wet. No shit. The tour was the first major worldwide tour for the band, visiting places such as Australia and Canada for the first time. And other than that, you basically just have fucking tour dates and the fact that they had uh, the same set list. So you you guys are sitting here saying, like, or you especially are sitting here saying that um, it was deeply uncool and nobody knew about it. We sure as shit did because obviously we were very cool at the time, and now. But somebody like gave a shit so much... To write a Wikipedia page. About the me. fucking tour that Bon Jovi went on, which arguably is one of the worst albums I've ever heard in my entire life.
0: I'm with you, dude. uh. I mean, it's no. Uh, if you step to me with your bullshit, I'm going to have to ask you please to quit. I
3: feel but like that's going to make a recurring. That's going to be a <laughs> yeah. Recurring oh, team. speaking like, of reoccurring,
0: I just maybe, have to, uh, so whoa, where's the chalice?
2: Where oh, is the so, chalice, yeah,
3: Kevin? So we have a we have a substitute chalice tonight. Um, chalice <laughs> oh, tonight, brought to you by. Right brought now. to you by our friends at Aviary. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Aviary. Yes. Aviary, thanks yeah. for something. We're, for Kevin we're to grateful drink out for of. Aviary, but. Um, yeah, this is, this chalice is a little bit different. The chalice that I have uh, in uh, our garage home is more of a sort of mini goblet, and this chalice is actually a glass minted by the folks at uh, Unibrew or uh, that make Bon. So it is uh, probably it's a little bit different, but still we didn't spill any, and so we're making do with a different chalice tonight in honor of our our friends over here at Aviary.
1: uh Oh let's let's start wrapping this up. But we we talked about this earlier. Um, wanted dead or alive. Kevin, you said that.
3: Yeah, I, one of the things that I said is like this is this is the one song off this record. It actually I didn't know before we sat down here tonight that that's what they wanted to call the record. Like I guess maybe I didn't skim the Wikipedia thing very closely, but I didn't know that that's what they originally had talked about calling the record. And I think. For me, it's the one song on that record. I mean, it still sounds overproduced. Like, there's sort of. There's no way. Like, they were. There's not as were, many keyboards in it. They were not. Well, of, there are. They were, they the were course, of their time, and they, they did things the way that they did them. But. And. Let's be honest. Like, it's a. It's a. You know, it's a sort of. It's a cowboy. It's literally a cowboy song.
1: But it's, it's, the, through the, but lens. it's the only
3: one. It's the only one. Where they don't sound like, to use the, it's a weird uh, dog pound metaphor, but it's the only one where they don't try to sound like the loudest puppy in the box, like, or loudest puppy in the pen. Like, they're not the one that's trying to get adopted first. Like, I think most of their songs come off like Pick Me, trying Pick Too me, Hard. Trying Too Hard. <clears throat> and that song at least has some restraint. And uh, I thought that was actually pretty interesting. And of, of all of them, it's the one that I can listen to. That doesn't make my skin, skin crawl.
0: like. I wouldn't quite go that far. I, that's I, for me. I, I do have a question. Um, did, has anyone on earth, uh, other than John Bon Jovi, ever referred to a motorcycle as a steel horse? Is that a thing? <laughs> or a loaded six-string on his back? Loaded six-string on my back.
1: I mean, <laughs> at that, that's at the point where that it really starts well, and, and so and, and
3: Oh, and, so and that's maybe, another one
0: where he talks about the bottle. Sorry, Kevin. Yeah, the bottle does make an an appearance. Sure.
3: No, and and I, like, it actually totally makes sense. But I think that, I think that maybe, maybe, and this, maybe this is my issue. Maybe that's the thing. It's like, that's a band that's really good at uncovering blind spots in in people who listen to popular music. Like, uh, most of that, most of that record is just so, jump up and down, wave your hand around, pick me, pick me, and that. For all of the cliche lyrics that are in that song and every other one, that's the one where I'm able to ignore them a little bit for whatever
0: reason. Like It's a little more of a subtle song. It is a little bit more subtle. So uh, well, no, I have no, no. a very important question for both of you to answer. And, um, uh, so if you're at the high school dance and the song comes on, is it a slow dance? I think it's a slow jam to slow jam it like you, that you that. like kind of grind to I it. think hey. this is
1: actually one of those songs where everybody just retires to their individual corners and it gives him a break. Yeah. Cuz that does happen.
0: It does happen. I I, I quick sidebar. It's I was a at a dance that a friend of mine was DJing and he had the Was uh, this in high school? This was in high school uh and he unfortunately decided that to put on the police's uh Walking on the Moon and I was like, "Dude, you're going to clear the place." And uh, everybody he, went and for a he breather. He did but uh, well, I was, he never got them back either.
3: Yeah, that and that's tough with songs <laughs> like that. It's like where you can lose yourself into them as a music fan, mm-hmm. but you don't understand the dynamics of a dance floor. Like those are two different things. And I do think like maybe to answer Shane's question or your your question directly before it's a it's a head bob number.
0: Like it's a head bob.
3: Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a head bob. So it's not yeah, and walking on the moon's the same way. Like they I
0: feel like you're supposed to get like a like a wistful look in your eye and kind of stare off a into the distance. W- the far away stare. The far away no, stare. No, that's what that's
1: what uh, guys get that that live through the '80s on the, the on the Sunset Strip
0: when they hear these songs. They get a yeah. far away
1: wistful look I in their know, eyes. Yeah, I remember the I've days. Got a, I've got a story about the first party I ever went to with glam rockers, in on the Sunset Strip, and this was 15 years after their prime. That's another that, that's another are we, show. That's another. Are we
0: saving that one. We're saving that one. Right. It's
1: it, it's. Yeah, we're saving that one. So
3: before we dump to the next song, and I think we should. Oh, no, I want to read something. Oh, oh yeah,
1: go, you go ahead then. Um, um, I just want to read uh, the uh, the background, the Wikipedia background on one of Dead or Alive. And again, and I'm probably going to say this every show that we do where I reference Wikipedia in any way. It's amazing to me that these entries are written by people with hard-ons for these bands at You'll be able to tell this real quick. Okay, the background... Be- before you get into it,
3: and we don't have to sidebar f- on this for very long, but do you think that the reason that that happens is they don't get scrubbed very hard because the public at large doesn't care that, that it's balanced? Or is yes. that because those people are so vigilant that they just go in and, like, Both. re-update? Like, Both. Well, I okay. think a
1: lot of times they're the people that originally start that. Yeah. I mean, if you think about this, like... like I don't think that Bon Jovi cares about there being individual Wikipedia entries for his individual songs. Sure. I mean, he probably does for his albums. I guarantee he doesn't give a fuck about the Slipper When Wet Tour and what set list they played in right. 1987. Um, so the background on the Wikipedia page uh, for Wanted Dead or Alive, we quickly, we quickly see... In this entry, that it is written by someone with an admiration for John. Uh-oh. The song's title pays homage to John's admiration for Old West heroes and how he identifies with them as being hated, imp- parenthetically, wanted dead or alive. During an interview on Inside the Actors Studio, John said he got the inspiration for the song early one morning when he couldn't sleep while riding in a tour bus. The, and here's where we go to the quotes, the quote, Lifestyle of every rock band was similar to that of the outlaws in that each was a young band of thieves riding into town, stealing the money, the
0: girls, and the booze before the sun came up. End quote. That is so true. Can I? Can I just? I think I we've know. got uh, at the very least a runner-up for best lyrics ever. Oh uh, <laughs> uh, wait, wait. I are just, they both Bon Jovi lyrics? Yes. Well, I just one one is from "Wanted Dead or Alive," it, um, and bear with me. I'm going to do the whole stanza. Uh, I walk these streets, a loaded six string on my back. I play for keeps because I might not make it back. Granted, he's talking about touring in a bus, but I've been everywhere (laughs) and I'm standing tall. I've seen a million faces and I've rocked Rocked them them all.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: No, it's all, it's, and it's terrible. Like, it's all, he rocked, rocked them like, all, Kevin.
0: I know. I don't think you're getting a million the this, this. It, a it is, million all, been, sufficiently they've all rocked. been rocked.
1: It's like, <laughs>
3: by, what by about
0: the rest of them? Hey, can Why you,
1: only the faces? Why <laughs> don't you play some of this song?
3: <laughs> all right, so this is uh, Wanted Dead or Alive? Yes, please. Let's do it. Wanted Dead or Alive.
1: That all three of us were have speechless. Been speechless. I, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, what can you say about the so masterpiece that is I, Dead or Alive? I felt like all of our thoughts were getting jumbled all at once. Like who was going to say the funnier line?
3: Well, I mean, here's one thing that I will put out there: is that if this was an homage to the the cowboy era, like his, you know, mm-hmm. he was big into those guys. None of them are wanted alive anymore.
1: They're all dead. Like they're all <laughs> <It's> dead. True. <laughs>
3: like it's like the worst search in
1: history. I just, like. I want to know if, if you know, and, and he's saying that if if it's an homage to um to a, to the gunslingers, wanted dead or alive, like how not just an homage, how he's comparing the two of them. Like, okay, so if you think that you're wanted dead or alive, it's got to mean that you think if people want you dead, that they think your music is shitty. So you've got to have some form of self self awareness. So going back to being cynical. There you uh, go.
3: But I don't think that's a, like, that's not a straight line either. Like No, he says like, that in the quote that I just said. He says, I'm wanted. He said. Wanted, but not alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. my bad, fellas. <laughs> okay, okay. We got, we got, you, you had something that you wanted to tell us, Kevin. Yeah, so, uh, so I found, I also found uh, a really great write up of that subsequent record crush, but like, all of those Which I've never heard of. I know none of us have because, like Ryan was saying, it got blanketed out by Nevermind and the, and everything and, good uh, that came <laughs> of uh, later time. So anyway, but they all, but but everybody had to review it because I'm sure it was being pushed by the label. Like this is the original lineup that put out this thing, and they sold 25 million records, and so you have to give it time. But what ends up happening is that
0: all of these. This was the nail in the coffin of hair metal.
3: Well, maybe so, but uh, but beyond that, like. They, they all, like half of the copy is really about the previous record. So, in that sense, like, it's like they had to provide context for people because the world had changed so much that it just wasn't the same anymore. So, anyway, and this one's British. So, this is great. <laughs> he, goes, he says, uh, this is from Enemy Magazine. He says,
0: um, New Musical Express,
3: yes, for those of you who yeah, don't know. Yes, he says, so Crush is basically slippery when wet, part. Uh, 26, with a couple of really bad ballads. That's the subhead. Uh, he says, It's a proving fact that if you sing the lyrics, shout through the heart, and you're to blame, in the company of two or more people, then at least one of them will join you in singing You Give Love a Bad Name, while playing air guitar and gritting their teeth. The problem with, John, with Bon Jovi is that while all this is well and good, when you're 13 or musically diluted, it's hard to like them if you're not. Uh, and a, the short version is while it's a fantastic, while a fantastic actor, I don't know about that, charismatic front man and caring family man, also supposition, uh, John Bon Jovi can come across a little soulless and businesslike. It's hard to get down with his Bruce Springsteen like working on the docks vibes. As he flies above you in his private jet laughing his dick off. <laughs> so, you have to sort of wait for the <laughs> that, that line. But he says still he can write a good cheesoid rock tune and at least he sticks to what he knows. And I think that you can if you're looking if you're mining the dirt for the silver lining, that's the thing. It's like that guy knows who he is and he almost bought the Buffalo Bills. Like That's, that's the most like,
1: schizophrenic album review I have ever read in my life. It's true. It's pretty schizoid, but
3: but I think the point that he ultimately makes is actually kind of true, which is that.
1: But that doesn't sure sure. But that doesn't belong in an album review. Basically, what that guy is trying to say is, I'm going to disparage and rip apart well, your music in every way. He's but you're an John all right Bon guy. Jovi
0: is a person, rather than right, right. The, the so record. that's how he has to. Well,
3: hmm. and the other thing is, it's a, f- it's five like so. They use a like a ten star system or whatever, and it's five out of ten. So like where did the five come from? Like, you're kind of like, right. It's, (coughs) he sort of, it's almost like, you know what it feels
1: like to me? Like he met, he met Bon Jovi or his editor met Bon Jovi slightly before that. And he's like, I would never give you a shitty review, but then he couldn't live with himself when writing a nice review. So he, Wrote that backhanded compliment review or something like that It is and
3: we could probably do 50 minutes on street cred versus like artistic and journalistic street cred No this is just shitty music
1: I mean there's street cred and there's artistic credibility and there's everything in the above And there's there's everybody's individualistic taste and, and what we all like But I think that every person in this room can definitely agree on the fact that this album
0: fucking sucks Oh it's a giant turd it, it, uh,
1: it, I mean, and I've said all the stuff I have to say about um, there are brilliant hooks on it, but taken as a whole, it sounds like it's produced by a shiny robot. It sounds like it's written by shiny a
0: shiny robot wearing chaps,
1: wearing chaps. I think I think that the reason Bon Jovi and I've come to this conclusion over the course of the show, the reason that Bon Jovi, John Bon Jovi. Not the band Bon John Jovi. John Bon Giovanni. Yes. The reason that um, that he mentions the word rock, so references rock and slash roll, so many times in his songs, is because he knows his songs don't actually rock.
0: He has to remind you, you that that's what he's yes. going yes. for. Like, yeah. By the, the way, arc, go, arc, go arc. ahead. Go ahead and rock now.
1: Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As now you now now you rock. Um, so I wanted to say this, and this is this is kind of how I want to wrap this up real quick. Um, and this this will answer a question. For you, Ryan, um, that you've been asking me all night off and on that I did not have the answer to previously, but I do now. You found the wisdom. I found the wisdom. So um, in – there's a quote from – well, let me just read from the Wikipedia. And I hate to keep doing this, but um, sometimes I'm finding so much comedy in them. With bands that
3: are polarizing, I think Wikipedia is gold.
1: Like it's gold. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm learning this now. Um, Despite the moderate success of 7800 Degrees Fahrenheit, Bon Jovi weren't becoming the superstars they had hoped. Of course, everybody hopes to become superstars. The album went gold, by the way. And they changed their approach for their next album, going for a more mainstream sound than their heavier first two records. Okay, so as we go out of here, not as before we go out, but I I want you to play a song, Kevin, off of their album, 7800 Degrees Fahrenheit, which... And I'm sure you will all be pleased to know this. I have now discovered the meaning behind the title "7,800 Degrees do
3: Fahrenheit." Do Should we tease it and then, uh, then?
1: No, I'll tell okay. you right now. Oh. Because it needs to be said. Okay. But before we listen to their harder rocking songs. Okay. The album's title was a reference to the supposed melting point of metal
0: rock. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. It rocks so hard that it melts the it rock rocks so hard. They melted the rock.
1: <laughs> so I'm I'm going to let you guys I'm going to let you guys listen to this song real quick. Um it's called The Price of Love and this is an album that Bon Jovi made before or this is often an album that Bon Jovi made before Slippery When Wet that only went gold and um before they, it, ra- <laughs> before they when uh, i
0: sell 500,000 records
1: before they right before they radically altered their sound here's a song the price of love 1700
2: degrees fahrenheit <laughs>
3: The other thing that I found that was kind of interesting on this record was uh, I did a little bit of digging on Last FM, which is not always current, but
0: neither is this is record. It like last week's FM? Yeah,
3: yeah, right, exactly. In this case, Last Millennium's so whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, So the band bio on Bon Jovi, and specifically related to this record, said it was the top-selling uh, album of 1987 by Billboard. And is currently, and I don't, this is why I couch it that way. It's like, I don't know if this is current as of time of publishing or if this is still current. I'm going to guess maybe as of time of publishing, which means it may be way out of date. But still, it's kind of crazy to think that it was the 21st best-selling studio album of all time and is featured in the book.
1: You've got to be kidding me.
3: Is featured in the book. 1001 albums you must hear before you die. I, I saw, saw that. this. I can, I saw that too. I can only yeah. guess, I didn't want to believe it. I can only guess it's the last one. Yeah, it's 1001. <laughs> when you're on your way out to help speed <laughs> Here, it along. This ought to do it. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> This this guy is just hanging in there, isn't
3: he? <laughs> Check this out. Hang on. anybody? You got the headphones? All right, let's do it. It's yeah,
2: so. been hanging around a little too poor, long. Poor musical grandpa. Euthanasia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: So, guys, um, I'm not sure what we all learned today. I learned the melting point of rock. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, seventeen hundred degrees. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what? <laughs> I, 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 we shit, all definitely amazing. know that now. <laughs> we, I, I don't think we're going to do a seance anymore. Um, I do want to thank Avery again for Aviary Avery. Some guy that came. Yeah, out.
3: Uh, yeah, but very very short version. If you make it down to South Lamar, you're in Austin. Uh, stop by Aviary; these guys will treat you good, and, and they have been very very sweet to us. So thanks,
1: uh, thanks Marco and friends. Yes, thank you very much, guys. Do you have anything else to uh, say? What do we oh, will talk about Evan? yeah.
3: So okay, so originally we had talked about the last time that you guys asked me, I thought we were going to do. We had, I had, was seriously considering doing um, a whole record. And I do think that that's one that I want to do, but I don't think it's like what I want to an entire do. record?
0: Or, uh, um, well, not we, a W-H-O-O. We, w- we, okay.
3: we had talked about doing the Courtney Love Band whole, whole. Live Through This, oh, yes, yes. and we're going to do it. But but I want to put it off. And uh, it's because I think I want to do uh, N.W.A. Straight out of Compton. If you All think right. about it, like it's a pretty interesting story. One of those guys is Eazy-E. One of those guys is Ice Cube, who is certainly not as scary as he used to be. He's in kids' movies, Well, he's, and not, he's not using his AK these days. I he's heard. not. And the other one, well, the other he one, said, he
1: said he didn't. Today was a good day. It was, it good, was a day. good day because he didn't have to use his AK. Exactly
3: right. And and the other one, uh, just is essentially a billionaire. So uh, like, he is. He, they're as far from the streets as they could ever be. But that is not what that record sounds like. And it also captures a very particular slice of what that version of L.A. was at that time. And so I think it would be interesting territory to mine. It's a record that I don't know, but that influences so many other things, and I thought it would be really fun to like unearth it a little bit.
1: I think that's a great idea. We were talking about, I can, I can bring back, I can re-reference Killer Tom when we talked about in, during the Beastie Boys. But I can also reference a um, little slice of life stuff. The first time I ever heard uh, NWA was um, by a friend of mine named Judd. And Judd was a couple years older than me in high school. And um, he his sole drink of choice was he would only drink Gatorade and peppermint schnapps. And I asked him once, <laughs> why Why do you drink uh, peppermint schnapps and mix it with Gatorade? And straight-faced, serious answer, he said, because it gets it into your bloodstream faster.
2: That sounds about right. Science. Science. Yeah. That's really (laughs) kind of what
0: he said. Because I get a very well-known fact, Shane. (laughs) Because I get down. (laughs) Because I I get down.
1: Assume that that's the answer to everything.
0: All right. Well, that's great.
1: I can can do that. So you're going to come back with. I'm I'm relatively
0: familiar with that album, but only
1: in like a party sense. I've really been uh,
0: hoping to integrate the expression inward into my – into my discourse. Uh, oh, yeah. So are I we gonna, we'll have a lot of opportunity. How are we going to gonna navigate that? Because
1: I I, I take the Louis C.K. tack that every time you say the word, every time you say the word, or is it word or a phrase? I guess it's a word, the N-word, it puts the real word in, in my brain. Head. And it yeah. puts the well, onus on me. And
3: Louis C.K. also says that the, that the real version of yourself is the lowest, most base version of yourself. And so, I don't know. I think we can explore that to some degree, but I really think – That as a period piece, like as a little mini musical museum, Mm -hmm. that particular record for that particular act at that particular time is worth talking about. Yeah, I I mean, it's not like we're
1: going to go. I mean, I don't I don't think there's any there's going to be any point where we all are going to need to definitely reference that word if it comes up. On the track that we're playing, it's not like it's going to be like, duh, 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 duh. and then Kevin's voice comes in and says, in <laughs> "Inward, yeah, inward, inward."
3: Um, we could do the uh, the Craig Ferguson thing where it's like, "I like,
0: remember, <laughs> like, yeah,
2: like
1: yeah, yeah. inwards with attitude." Yeah. Okay, so Ryan, so what are we going to do in two weeks? It's coming <laughs> in back. Two right
0: weeks. Here. Uh, I felt a, like I needed a little bit of a counterbalance and uh, brain scrub uh, after the uh, Bon Jovi experience. Um, so I wanna do and I don't know this record all the way through, I know the I know the band fairly well, but um I wanna do pavement, slanted and enchanted. Uh which is not a record I know particularly well. Y-
1: I know pretty much every other pavement record than that one. That's Yeah, and I don't know it. So sure. yeah, let's do it. That's great. Okay, yeah, that's r- uh yay, good call. You guys both came up with good ones this week. There you go. <laughs> Leaving me again to ruin, ruin it all in the third week well i've got a little bit of time to think about it yeah, all right we're signing good. off right now you guys thanks for listening uh, it's Shane Kevin and Ryan and somebody likes it we'll see you in 7 days